This is the Manips and Sips podcast show, featuring two fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic and sports physical therapists. Join us as we talk all things physical therapy, manual therapy, performance, business, education, research, and of course, Sips. Hey everyone, this is the Nips and Sips podcast show featuring me. I'm Dr. Jeremy Boyd and my partner in crime over there, Dr. Brandon Cruz. Today we're going to be talking about the one thing that we just don't really do anymore. Uh, they're typically clinically uh, something that we thought would be fun to kind of chat about, a quick episode. Uh, we, we've evolved over the years as clinicians and as humans. Um, and when you look back on it, there's a lot of things that we just don't do anymore. We're going to each pick a, one or a couple and uh, get it going from there. But before we get started, Brandon, how's it going? Going well, Jer. Uh, we are here on this uh, early Thursday morning, bringing live action to you. Uh, Jeremy and I both, uh, you know, I have the new office going on, so I have to go run run to that. Jeremy has a third wedding anniversary, right? Third wedding uh, anniversary. This weekend, a little trip uh, with his wife, Alyssa. Um, so he has to kind of get going with his stuff. Actually, I think the anniversary was uh, last week, right? The actual date. Last week. Yep. Um, so congrats to... Uh, Mr. and Miss, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Fecta, yeah, Fecta fan there. A little shout out to you guys there, but yeah, so uh, I think we have our main one, and this is probably gonna you know, go into a little tangent, maybe to you know, two, three, four other things, uh, that we we don't do or subscribe to, um, anymore or as much. Um, so yeah, that's what we got. Uh, before we do that, let's go into our traditional drinks, and uh, what do you got over there, man? Uh, before I do, I just want to say, check out the, the new swag. Oh, look at that. The swag. How to get it going. That's crisp. That's crisp. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling, I'm fe- it's it's a good snug fit. I'm feeling more intellectual and athletic at the same time. I came in. There you go. It. It's perfect. Awesome. And I'll ruin it with this beer, but, you know, work out on that. Yeah. Bad bod. Once you hit that third-year marker, you can just start progressing towards that. But, yeah, there. No, they, but, can't, uh, they can't leave you at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go. I'm, my breakfast beer today is uh, uh, Loose Boots Apri's uh, IPA, which is a session IPA from uh, uh, Roadhouse Brewing in Wyoming, USA. This is another one of my uh, uh, Beer of the Month Club ones. I've been saving this one because this was rather delicious when I first had it. Um, Pairs well with tired legs, loaded nachos, and slop side live music. If anybody wants to know, so uh, I'll uh, give that a give that a crack. Drink it out of my king cup because you know it's good to be king. So nice. What about you, Brandon? Where'd you, where'd you get that cup from? That was a. Uh, you know what? This was a either a engagement or wedding uh, present I got from. Alyssa's cousins, uh, uh, Pat, uh, Pat and Brand and his girlfriend Brandy. They sent they sent these cups over. So she had res- like a queen uh, yeah. beer cup, which was more the tulip style, and then I got the king one. Uh, nice. So, yeah. So I definitely put mine more to use than she does. So thank you, there, Pat. I doubt you listen to this, but my man. Uh, I'm rocking the Herradura tequila that. Uh... I've, I've rocked before on this show. 
engraved there to Dr. Cruz. Thanks for all your help, Frank. Uh, Franklin, one of uh, our interns earlier this year. Uh, great guy. I think he just finished his uh, internship studying for his boards right now. So I'll pour that off. Just on the rocks, just a touch today because it is uh, 8.30 in the morning. I mean, I mean I, I'm all about breakfast beers, but breakfast tequila, that's that's yeah. well, that, I guess that's sunrise. you get into when uh when I you know you pick liquor to do the show with yeah um I've been meaning to and I just need to stop being lazy I guess um I want to make like some drink for the show like okay you know, bourbon drink or whiskey drink or something like this not just on the rocks right. add a little flavor to it you know what I'm saying so I need to yeah. I need to look up some drink recipes and buy the ingredients and I've just Kept putting it off, so I need to. I need to do. It. I figure if I stay on the show and make it known, then you know I'll get called out if I don't do it. So my way, being, my way of being accountable there. I also do have two beers I want to talk about, but I'm saving those for uh, different episodes. One, especially when it gets colder. The other one, I actually want. I have four of them. I want to give to you uh, at least one of them because uh, you're the beer uh, connoisseur. But uh, I guess, uh, well, we're seeing each other in a couple weeks anyway for yeah. uh, some courses we have going on. So I'll uh, drop it off um, drop it off there. See anyway, so cheers. Cheers. And uh, well, before we get going, what's your, uh, what's your rating? Um, 7.9. Right, right. I can always hang around in those sevens and... Eights are impressive, and I'm waiting for like a good, you know, knock my socks off, uh, 9.5 and up, uh, one day. I mean, there's probably been like that. I don't know why I just stuck in the sevens, but, um, yeah, good beer, pretty refreshing. Yes. It's not gonna bang me up all day, which is good. Sometimes these beers we have early start off the day. Um, I'm feeling them until like noon, like this sucks. I'm getting old. Yeah, we don't we don't rebound like we used to. No, uh, yeah. I feel like when we first did the show, you used to give out higher ratings, and then you started to knock it down, and I guess and in the hopes of getting that that high one. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm becoming more uh, grinchy and cranky over my years. I don't know. Uh, but living up to my name of Scary Jerry at the clinic, so. Um, apparently all these, maybe these brewers are listening in or probably like this asshole, <laughs> but, uh, you gotta start giving higher rating ratings so you can get sponsored, man. Yeah, I know. I know. I should start to do that. I love them all. It's like, you, I don't know why you get nine, you get a nine. Yeah. A everybody gets the one. I, I feel like there's other beers I've had where I'm like, well, I gave that like a, only a eight point something. Cause that's how I felt that day. And I'm like, well, this beer is not as good as that. So it has to be less and probably should have yeah. started higher, but I'll just keep ranting there. All good. Well, um, are there any beers you don't do or drink anymore after now you've become the uh, the Grinch slash connoisseur? And then that'll that'll spread right into any extra or I don't know exercise techniques that you don't do anymore. See what beers don't I drink anymore? I mean, I'll drink just about anything. Um, High standards. High standards. Yeah. Um, You know. I mean, if I'm going to be a beer, beer guy, I'm going to drink everything. Uh, I probably obviously don't. And I'll say that. I was like, yeah, I probably don't do Keystone like I did in college anymore. But, you know, sometimes so, I'm no, not refreshing. you have a natty at your, your house? We, you oh, had yeah. some. You know, like, I don't know why I have this. It was like a natty strawberry or some bullshit. Um, natty natty light. 
um yeah bachelor party i was at they uh they found these natty lights which was strawberry lemonade beer and sounds awful but actually not bad but it's one of those things where it's the first couple are good and then you keep drinking them i'm like this is getting progressively worse um so yeah natty natty light there uh was uh was intense but I'll, i'll crack one of those every once in a while uh again if it's like a more of a full day drinking event i don't go for kolsch as much never really did it for me uh a kolsch type of beer it's like a german i believe a german style uh lighter beer um and uh it just i've had them i even had them on the show they just you know they don't really do it for me um i try not to do as many like standard ipas that just are tons of hops and they all kind of taste the same try at least yeah. with flavor and that sort of stuff if it just says ipa i'm usually avoiding it uh this is ipa but this is a little bit different but um those are yeah probably my two two ones i don't really go absolutely nuts for um yeah that's about it well aim a thing for you there Bryn. you stay away from stuff no or, or what about liquor is there any liquor that I you stay, uh, nine nine bananas i stay away from i that's a bad experience when I was like 18 and never what's went. One that, what's one 99 bananas? Uh, I don't know. It's 99 bananas. I, don't know. <laughs> I, like, I, had a problem, like I said, 17, 18 years ago, Oof. never again. I don't know. Uh, I was, um, my sister had a party and uh, I was like going shot for shot with one of her friends. And uh, I thought I won, but I clearly, clearly <laughs> lost the next day Oof. and never again. Uh, 99 bananas. Um, so that's probably the one liquor I'm definitely not uh not going near. Um beer or, or anything. Uh some college days, you know, up in North Philadelphia, you know, get around with the uh the hurricane high gravities or the OEs. They had the uh you know two for three, you know, you're trying to drink on a budget there, but like the big can ones and the college, day, yeah, big 40 ounce oh. malt liquor, uh awful awful yeah you typically play like edward 40 ants or something yeah um, stupid drinking game so those are probably like the ones i don't natty ice obviously i'm not a big beer guy so unless yeah. you're playing beer pong or something um which like, nowadays i feel like uh this generation uh behind us and i will say that um they don't play like true beer pong they put like water in all the cups and then yeah. they drink out of the can and it's like they're trying they're to be, be sanitary clean about it. Like, come on man yeah What's up? there's really nothing clean about the water one either i mean yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. but um anyway yeah so yeah. all right we're digressing let's go into uh a technique or exercise you don't uh, you don't do anymore or maybe you do do it but it's very seldomly um yeah what, what do you got uh, i was just actually talking about this recently with the student but um Definitely, I don't know about you, but uh, upper trap and levator stretches were like hands down, didn't matter what neck condition you had. Whiplash, headaches, concussion, uh, anything, cervical radiculopathy, anything anywhere near that neck. I was making you do upper traps and levator stretches as Brandon just so kindly demonstrated to both sides, everybody. Um, 30 second hold three yep, times five times um okay. do this all day and um you know it wasn't till uh probably residency um where 
I think it was the, I can't remember if it was Bill or Scott. I want to say it was Bill or someone challenged it. Was this like, are you doing it both sides? It's like, yeah, you know, tie on both sides and start kind of picking me apart of like, well, if it's tight both sides, it's really tight at all. Um, and there's, he's mentioned there's no, it's not efficacious at all. These, these stretches, these like, I don't know where they came from or anything like that. And then, um, you know, topping that off, especially for like radiculopathies or anybody with neural stuff is like this sort of stuff is just fully tractioning that brachial plexus and nerve. And, and I was just like, you know what? <laughs> Starting like really reflect on it. There's a lot of patients at that time where they were all doing okay in the clinic or whatever. And then when they go home, they'd come back and they're lit up. And I was just like, huh. Um, and really started like really reflecting on things. I'm like, do these exercises, have they really ever helped? Has anyone ever been like that? This was a really good one or anything like that. So um, through that process, um, yeah, just, just eliminated them. And I don't think I prescribed one of those in probably six, seven years at this point. Um, and my outcomes are definitely much better than what they were. They're still in the toolbox, but definitely some dust and rust on it. But yeah, that's me. Uh, Maybe it's the thing you give your patient to do at home when they really want something, and it's like, all right, do like do that at home just for uh, yeah. At least I can see the appeal to it because you know if you're feeling tight in this area and just stretching it in that area, and they can feel it in that area. I can see like the psychological or mental benefit to that. It's like, well, oh, it's right here. I go like this. I feel it there. And as long as they don't, you know, regress or symptoms become worse, you know, it's a legitimate exercise. It just, I kind of weeded it out to a degree, but, um, you know, everyone likes that stretch. They hold on to the chair and it's like this. Like my hand's going numb. Like, oh, oops. <laughs> Go harder, ease up yeah. on it. Right? Yeah, um, fifteen seconds only, though. Yeah, just just a threshold. Right? Just your threshold. Um, I'd say mine, and I think this comes, you know, both of our evolutions comes from realizing what is truly causing the pain or dysfunction instead of just treating the site, which mm. is. You know, you know, your upper traps are tight, or you feel pain there. Is it really that? Or is it stemming from somewhere else? And we've talked about that in episodes. Yeah. Say mine is um, it's kind of a, is a, a cluster group, ART, mm. um, or having the patient take a ball, a cross ball, and mash out knots between their shoulder blades or their calves or their performance or something like that. Just mashing tissue. Um, yeah, one. Know, very little evidence if any behind ART and that's a that's a different uh different conversation uh to brutal on your thumbs I, I don't know how clinicians you know continue doing that and you know you have the argument oh well you're doing it wrong you got to do it this way like no it, it sucks on your yeah. ass. um you know patients at best are getting short-term relief and then they're coming back with the same stuff so again what are you really doing if every time they come in you have to do the exact same thing Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's even harder because if you actually look at the uh, you know, pain gate theory, your body just gets a new threshold of, of pressure tolerance and, mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, so it's not that they're getting yeah. better. It's that you just, you know, they're adapting to that stimuli. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you know, if they have a knot somewhere that's reoccurring, well, what else is going on? Is it referred pain? Is it neurodynamics? Is it a joint restriction? Is it something like that? So uh, I've definitely gotten away from, you know, anything like that. Now, do you do you use the foam roll to help with mobility drills, you know, extensions, rotations, or, you know, of the like uh, of the spine or even, you know, lower extremities or something like that, but straight up mash tissue mashing, uh, very few and far between, mm. you know, it's something that the patient likes to do and wants cool, you know, do it. But I haven't, you know, spend very little time. You don't need to spend 45 minutes rolling every part of your body. You know, yeah. by the time you, you know, you start, let's say with your upper body and then roll all the way down to your calves and it's 45 minutes later, any effect that you would have had on the upper extremity is gone. Yeah. You know, so, you know, speeding that area up or, or that time frame up has definitely been key. And so it's like, okay, let's just get the, get you moving. Mm -hmm. You know, do what you have to do, clean up our restrictions and, and let's go. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'm sure we have a couple others. Mm -hmm. We could dive into those, but I'd say, uh, you know, this ART, mm. whatever else. Sammy's, remember that episode? Sammy's, yeah. Sammy's. yeah those are senior um, ass massages. If you, people haven't listened, you should go back to that episode. Um, me and this elbow, the Egyptian elbow, was raining terror on people. The people's elbow right there. And raining the, the touches. Um, and I, I mean, I'm a, I mean, we're both big critics. So I'm probably more boisterous. Adam Inkins, right? But I will give credit where credit's due. He has a, he has a couple of funny posts. I think he just released part two of I'm allergic, and he's like, bullshit. And he shows uh, like a bunch of random bullshit uh, interventions or treatments. And yeah, that's that's one of them. Um, you know, ART, you're just pressing on um, area, uh, stretching, things like that. Mm -hmm. um another one i i don't subscribe to is is pri breathing into a balloon at 90 90 and rotating your pelvis all this other bullshit um like it has that's a that's a good post like you know, there's a lot of bs out there and there's a you know the, the hot new shiny toy or intervention or treatment that clinicians get sucked into uh they have very little thought process to them and you try and do every patient and some patients may get better, but largely what are you really doing? You're just mm -hmm. trying to, you know, fit a square peg into a round hole. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things. Um, telekinesio taping. Uh, I don't really, that's another one that I haven't really done so much. I'll still do McConnell style taping. Um, you know, those are, there's a lot, there's always a new flavor of the month in therapy. And when you break it down, it's the, the, the classics that win uh, over and over have prevailed over the generations of therapy, uh, exercise, education, and, you know, manual therapy. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I, I've, I've played around with all these things. Again, they're all still in my tool bag. They're toolbox. Um, but they're very infrequently used. Probably the only time where I do utilize these things is when a patient expresses that they believe it's going to help them. In that case, I'll bite the bullet and, and do it. Um, and even in those cases, I haven't, 
I would say it's probably like 50, 50 where a patient's like, yeah, that really helped. Like, great. All right. So I just kind of appease what your kind of your expectations. And other times it was just like, Meh. it's like, okay, great. Do we have to keep doing that? Um, which is luckily why I don't have an ultrasound in the clinic. So I can always like, oh, just not entertain that at all, but, yeah. uh, things with your hands and that sort of stuff. And, uh, uh we can definitely, uh, have to entertain those, but um, no, I agree. I mean, there's just so much out there and it's a lot to get clad with. And again, I, I mean, I encourage people to try them. I mean, we did, um, but there's a lot of time, money, um, and energy devoted to these things. And if you're really reflective on them, you'll start to see that a lot of them are kind of bullshit, <laughs> as Meekins would say. But, yeah, uh, even ASTEM, you know, instrument assisted autism massage, have it, seldomly use it anymore. Um, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll try my other stuff first. And if, you know, things are, are not working, yeah, maybe I'll go to it. Like mm -hmm. you said, if patients request it, yep. you know, re research evidence has shown, you know, if a patient believes something, whether it's placebo or, or not, you know, if it's going to work, great. And there's no harm in, you know, spending five minutes of your hour session or whatever, you know, I say hour, it's typically hour, maybe even half an hour. You spend five minutes doing something that they want and you're meeting them halfway. And then you do the, you know, rest five minutes or 50 minutes of what you want to do or what you feel needs to get done. Joint-based stuff, manual therapy, education, neuromuscular education, exercise, whatever the case may be. And you throw five minutes in of ASTEM or cupping or ultrasound because, what the patient wants and cool um and if you have it i'm with you i don't have ultrasound so like i can't bend to that one and you know say sorry you don't have it and you know trying to educate them you know it's a, that's a thing of the past but um you know even things like stem you know we have the little portable ones you know if a patient really wants it we'll talk to your rep and get it for them at home but i'm not wasting 10 minutes in in of our clinic time which is precious as it is mm. um to do to do stem when you can do it at home or ice yeah. ice and heat even like we have ice you know some patients get it in our clinic you know not gonna lie it's if they want it but it's after we've done everything and cool go in the corner and, and sit on your eyes if not you can do it at home yeah but i'm not basing you know our treatments around it um and you know sometimes you need that 10 minutes of ice because you have you know another patient coming in or something and you need to just kind of budget your time a little bit but you know you try and be more efficient early in a session to get all the things you need to get to get it done yeah I, my rule of thumb is if you want ice or heat it's going to be after we've done all our work yeah um, but again typically i mean i went and i see a ton of acls and that sort of stuff we went like a good couple of years before i even invested in ice any sort of ice unit of any sorts um and again, I haven't seen too much of a change in any outcomes of any sorts. No one's delayed or missing marks or anything like that. So like these more low value things, if you really start doing a, a critiquing yourself, you're really not going to see too much of a change. It's like, they're just there. They're really just fillers. I used to, um, so that was one of my earlier mentoring or getting, getting mentored at my first place, which was terrible. Um, it was high volume and that sort of stuff. And the, my mentorship was literally a checklist. And they're like, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? Did you do that? 
And I was like, okay, great. And then talked about hot packs and ice packs and stem and that sort of stuff. And the guy was legitimately saying like, oh, these are clock killers. <laughs> um, just do them when you have a bunch of patients. So you set up the first couple on it and then you're working with someone else. And that's pretty much what it was. So that's always been in my mind. So I was like, this is just there to waste time. Yeah. Um, when I'm too busy and it can't be spread amongst five, four or five people. But um, yeah, it's the... Yeah, like, lucky enough for you and I, we own our clinics and we don't see four or five people, you know, yeah. we're looking at two, maybe three at the most, if, you know, someone comes early or whatever the case may be, um, you know, but, but um, you know, another one would be retrograde massage. And you talked about Bill challenging you, Scott challenged me on this, this aspect. Uh, I can't, I think um, actually our classmate Cheryl was talking about it, how she does retrograde massage and, you know. I did it too at the time, you know, a year out. Someone has post-up swelling, you're doing retrograde massage, but I remember she had a post um, and he's like, yeah, uh, what are we really doing with retrograde massage? Do we need to be spending 20 or 30 minutes on retrograde massage? Hmm. Are you actually creating the changes that you think you are? Are there better ways to create those changes, such as active movement, yep. creating a muscle pump, getting blood flow, um going and you know that lymphatic system and you know the circulation system in general uh going getting them on the bike is going to be better yeah. um i don't even have an arm bike that's another useless thing i have a assault bike and yeah. you want to move your arms while you're going and pedaling and you're moving all four limbs it's and guess what? that gets the heart rate going that gets things moving around that mm -hmm. gets fluid mushed out you know whether it's swelling or just synovial fluid joint fluid um you know, let's move our patient that way. Oh yeah. If I've ever had anyone come close to throwing up on anything, it's, it's that damn assault yeah. bike, but I'll tell you a good story about retrograde. Cause it happened uh, recently for me. Um, I have, uh, uh, let's say, um, it was, he's, he's uh, like a mentor and a, uh, almost a second father to me in my clinic. Um, he's, uh, he's, he's at our wedding or my wedding, uh, hmm. did some reading for it. Um, and uh, he's got total knee replacement and that sort of stuff. And for someone like that, well, I always give it my all for my patients, but he's not been a big fan of physical therapy beforehand, not with us, but uh, I was, my mentality is I'm going to do whatever it takes to, you know, essentially butter him up to give him the best road possible. I don't care if it's two hour long sessions or some of it doesn't even really matter. Um, but it came down to swelling and total knees, which I don't get to see as much as I used to, but I had like a little self-experiment of he has some significant swelling as expected with total knees. And I always tell him, don't focus on that. That's just natural healing. That's why I don't really even, I, people still make them goals. I don't get why that's a goal for physical therapy. You can't change yeah. that or not, but, um, we have the, uh, Norma tech boots. We have like yeah. a game ready system. And I did retrograde massage. I did pre-test, post-test of, of um, circumference around the uh, patella and no real change, all three of them. Um, I think I would say he's pitting. You do range of motion testing as well? Yeah, and some flexion got better and that sort of stuff. But again, how much it cost and that sort of stuff. And also, yeah. you know, kind of just spend more time doing some joint techniques or other sort of things, you know takes a while for those sort of things to, to, you know, to do them. I mean, Norma takes 10 minutes. The 
you know, same with game ready systems, at least. Yeah, uh, it's like 3K uh, right there and systems alone. Retrograde. And I did them not all at once, but I was just testing mm-hmm. it out again for my own playing around. And I still like to stick around and screw around with things. But yeah, no significant change. Now, if a report is like that felt really good or that was really helpful, great. I would have continued it, but I would just go pull out the measurements. I was like, did it help? Maybe with some of the pitting edema, he was, you know, he's one of these people you stick a, you know, your thumb into it, left a imprint, but, um, you know, it didn't change actual circumference or you still had massive swelling and that sort of stuff. And that's what it is. It's just going to, you know, time's going to heal that wound. Let me focus on the things that are going to make you more functional, more independent around the household, make sure you get your full range of motion, which, you know, a lot of, you know, knee surgeries don't have. Um, so just, just, decided to throw that in based off of what you were saying but go ahead and then no, i have no, sorry. a follow-up no, question no, yeah no so, so what you're gonna say i just had a story on a uh knee patient i just had but uh, oh. I'll, I'll wait so go for say. that and then i'll follow up and then pretty sure goose is playing around all with right. something glass downstairs i can hear it i'm like i can hear i'm like what are you doing down there dude <laughs> I could just see, see, I was going to say little guy, but he's probably grown up a little bit since I've seen him last. Um, yeah, total knee, just, just had one. She actually was discharged. I had her, I think, total of three weeks. Um, by week two, session four, maybe five, um, didn't do any soft tissue. I mean, I didn't, not even announce. Um, and maybe I did some scar mobilization stuff, but um had her on the bike and this is a person I don't want to hear, you know, she, she had diabetes. She was vastly overweight. She had heart issues. She's in her sixties. Like, you know, not, not the uh, prototypical, like healthy person. Right. Who's got, who's getting this. We, we moved her. We did nothing but move her. We did some joint mobs. We did some, yeah, passive rigid motion and deflection, um, some ankle mobilizations as well. But other than that, it was, you were doing heel slides, you were doing quad sets, straight leg raises, shorter quads, longer quads, uh, pretty early on as well. Uh, and we got her on the bike, I think session two. And, you know, within four sessions, she was doing four evolutions. Uh, she had, she broke 90 degrees. She had, you know, full knee extension. Uh, she had, she was off the cane within, you know, those two weeks. Uh, we had her, and the third week she we had her she discharged she went back to philadelphia so she came back up she came up here to see us because we saw her sister and her sister did uh, such a great job uh with it but um yeah i mean i've seen total knees that you know go other places and they're struggling to break 90 and to get zero degrees of extension after six eight weeks yeah it doesn't it shouldn't take long Yes, is it uncomfortable to get a full revolution, but yeah. that swelling, once we started to get that, that knee going around, uh, even in reverse, not even a yeah. forward revolution, Always reverse, that reverse. swelling left yep. pretty quickly. Yep. Um, you know, she had some, some lower like shin and calf stuff, but that was related to some heart issues and things, but even that was getting better. Um, it's movement. You know, getting those muscles to contract, getting that heart pumping, getting that circulation going, doing some joint-based stuff. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to 20 minutes doing soft tissue massage, retrograde massage. You're, you're being inefficient. Yep. You're leading to poor outcomes. You're leading to frustration on the patient's end and your end. And then that's leading to burnt out or lack of passion because you don't know what you're doing or how to treat. And therefore you're defeated and there's no pleasure in what you're doing. Why would you have pleasure in being a PT when your patients aren't getting better? 
All right, Jeremy and I have been doing this eight years, still treat a, a fuck ton of hours, and we still love what we're doing because we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then you become passionate about it, right? You do these non-value, low-value things that we're talking about here, and you're you're breaking your hands over it. Your 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 hands are shot. The patients aren't getting better, and you you get frustrated and burnt out. Mm-hmm. That's where burnout comes from. Yeah, I think the biggest burnout is like when patients don't get better, and we we came into this profession to make people better, and whether productivity demands or just lack of you know up in our game in a sense, I think that's what leads to the most burnout because that's like that's such a nut shot. Even me, I love my little patients here and there, um, and thankfully it's a lot less than they used to be. But you get your tough patients, and you know I'm like, what the fuck, and you know I have to think about things, and now it's like more of a challenge and fun for me um problem solving yeah versus when it's constantly over and over and over and everyone's like meh um or whatever that i think that leads to the biggest burnout because if even if you're on a high volume place but people are doing real well they're happy for your services and that sort of stuff that that's gonna probably make most people want to hang out at least that's why i hear from people who've been in high volume places um and so you know it requires a stopper game because let's face it the the world is is rapidly evolving in a sense where we will become you know a practice where we do see more patients if we're in the insurance-based realm um you know i don't think the luxury of cash base is going to be for everyone so you know we have to up up our game um and that way it becomes enjoyable we can still provide our awesome services uh, which obviously we're extremely biased to, but um, I, I think we do a lot of great things in preventing a lot of unnecessary medical stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm going to save my question, but it'd be good for another episode, unless you want to do it now, is something that you may have thrown out and brought back into the fold. Um, but I feel like that can lead to some rabbit holes and that sort of stuff. But maybe we'll talk about that. As I don't know if there's anything that you've ever had. It's just like, yeah, I totally said, screw that. And then it came back in after some reflection of any sorts. But uh, maybe we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. There's Um, nothing. There's definitely been, I'm trying to think of like some instances and give me some time. We don't have to. Yeah. uh, Think about it. It literally came in the middle of the show. Yeah. No, I like that. It's a great question. Um, Right. I mean, I I think, you know, part of being a, you know, a seasoned clinician and a reflective one, and you know higher end clinician is sometimes things come for a circle mm-hmm. um you know we, we've definitely talked about not doing things to challenge other aspects of our our game i know like dry needling was one um where before it got taken away uh because of a stupid law um i was i was doing it doing it on like everyone overdoing it definitely um probably looking back i should have done it differently like i used to do a lot of trigger pointing which Mm -hmm. is very aggressive very uncomfortable then i learned about like stimming and treating certain areas like treating the multifidae a lot um it's game changer way better than the piston i used to do um but there was a period of time i stopped dry needle uh there's a period of time i even stopped manipulating patients i was like i need to be able to treat without having this stuff um whether it's utilizing UPAs, mulligan movements, more exercise, better education, better communication skills to my patient, opening the game to neurodynamics um, instead of just trying to manipulate 
every single person that came through or dry needling, which uh, early on in my career, my, you know, first year out, that's what I, I was just manip and dry needling. Mm-hmm. And I come back to it. And I'm like, all right, well now I can do this effectively into the appropriate patients. Um, so that's kind of come full circle. So I guess I just kind of answered your question, <laughs> but man, yeah, yeah. I guess answer your, you know, your side of it. Oh man. Yeah. If you want to go full depth into it. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, we, we go through a lot of waves of things. Um, for me personally, um, even neurodynamics, I remember in residency. So I have Mark Butler who goes through like the Novacare system has done some research. He came to our school, super impressive guy, talked to us about neurodynamics, blew my mind. I wanted to do a um, internship with him. Luckily I got where I was going um, without him, but um, I remember they, so I, try and integrate that. And then we went to residency. And at that time, there wasn't much evidence for it. And I remember they talked about it. And I, anything Bill and Scott said, I was like, whatever they say, it's, it's gold. It's, it's happening. I was like, I'm throwing out everything else. They like, they blew my mind in the first couple of weeks. I was like, in a good way, in a good way. Again, yeah. before that, I was just like, once I started like taking in what they're saying, I was like, outcomes just immediately went up. I was like, all right, whatever they say. So um there was a period of that where i was just like all right they said it's not not much out there so screw it do i really need to dive into as much as i did um so i wouldn't say i eliminated it but definitely didn't do as much and now it's i look at for almost every patient if not every patient um so that was something and now like being real real stringent like how i do it versus i just set them up great now it's like make sure the legs are in the same position, make sure the arms are in the same, heads in the same position, that sort of stuff. But um, that uh, I know we talked about it on the show. I threw away SIJ for a while, just assumed it was like nothing that I was just like research says it is nothing that can really move um, and that sort of stuff. And once you really dive into the literature, Spain, especially some pain provocation injections, um, and then again, I don't utilize it a lot like I used to is everybody who came in was all right let's see all right boom 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 let's fix everybody and now it's the one person uh in a blue moon where I'm like all right I'm gonna treat the lumbar spine and then let me look at things you know listen to where their pain is it's all it's only going down like to hamstring and I've right cleared out the you know thoracolumbar lumbar junction let me throw some SIJ stuff in and that's so that when I utilize it properly, it's been money. It's been boom, they're good, out they go. Um, and and I just more strategic about how I educate it used to be, oh, XYZ is out of place, or I need to put this back in, or your anonymous or whatever, or out of sorts. I just say I'm gonna do it just another technique, uh, kind of like a reset button. Yeah, you should be good to go. And it's been good. And again, there's a lot of patience. It came to a point where I was so against it, where I try you know keep treating the lumbar spine or hips or that sort of stuff. When the patient was kind of getting to that point of frustration with me as a clinician as well, I'm like, why aren't they fully better yet? Why is it still lingering? And then I would be like, ah, fuck it, let me look at the SIJ and I would do something to that area, and that's when it would hit like sessions in. And I'm like, I'm at the level where I should figure that shit out, you know, in the first session. And it wasn't until yeah. that point where I'm like, fine, I need to have this on my radar always. I shouldn't have thrown it out completely. Um, so that's just one thing. And uh, 
I'll have to think about it a little bit more, but there's probably plenty of other things. Uh, you know, yeah, pain education. Just... I went from fucking going ham on it. Sorry for my French. Uh, then I was like, I'm in the athlete realm. They don't need it as much and, you know, whatever. And now, again, it's like a blend of things. Yeah. So yeah, you um, find that middle ground. Your pendulum swings left to right. Yeah. Um, and a couple of things to wrap up. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're not telling you guys not to do this stuff. But like Jeremy said, ha- you know, don't make it your first go-to, but don't completely throw it out. Like, go there if you need to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and I said Scott and, and Bill brainwashed us. I should really say they opened our mind um, to see through some of the bullshit, right? And, um, you know, challenge challenge our beliefs. And if you can't validate or back something up, well, then, you know, you just need to, to reassess some things. Uh, last question, but... This is going to lead us to our next podcast because I think we need part two. Oh, yeah. I think favorite or not favorite, but uh, exercises. We, we mainly talked about manual therapy stuff, which eventually we don't do. What about exercises that we used to do and now don't do? So maybe we mm-hmm. could have part two of that another day. Part two, I like that. Pick up, yeah. pick up from where you're leaving off today with your stuff yeah. too as well. And there's a lot. Uh, yeah. I'll do a yeah. self-reflection every year. And there's some stuff even within a year. I'm like, I just stopped doing it. So yeah, that's, that's cool. one I, I've definitely gone. Oh, you know, you fall in love with an exercise, you stop doing it, you get rid yeah. of it, and then you come back to it, and you're like, oh, you know what? There was some stuff with this. But yeah. yeah. But yeah. before we get carried away with that, let, let's let's end it. I think Goose is breaking some stuff. Down yeah, there, so. it went from a lot of noise to silence. I'm yeah. a little concerned. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> but All uh right. awesome well, episode. Um, any yeah. closing thoughts there? Uh our usual stuff. I, I know uh, this podcast is not going to come out for a couple weeks from this actual date, but uh, just in general, check out our uh, website on IOSMT. Jeremy's rocking the shirt. We have a bunch of courses rounding out the end of the year here. We're now in the end of September as we currently speak. So by the time this comes out, you know, early mid October, um, you know, uh, CEUs, especially in New Jersey, are due at the end of January. So if you need some courses, definitely take some courses that are going to challenge you, improve your skill set, make your life as a treating clinician easier. Don't just take any course just to take it. So I'll wrap up with that. Awesome. And um, as of today, I think I'm going to be launching it officially today. The rehab coaches uh, will be launched, which is some business mentoring for our clinical experts, uh, for those individuals who kind of think like us or pushing themselves, but kind of want to get into more of the business side of things, ownership, or even anything entrepreneurial related. You know, we've gone into teaching uh, online, um, you know, businesses um, and your, you know, brick and mortar PT practices. So we can give some mentoring there. So that should be launched by today. And uh, yeah, that's about it. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in everyone. And uh, cheers. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Nips and Sips. If you liked what you listened to, please follow and subscribe to us on all major social media and podcast platforms. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show. Interested in one of our courses? Go to www.iosmt.com. Interested in business and private practice mentorship and advice? Visit us at therehabcoaches.com. As always, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or recommendations, whether that be clinical or SIPs. At Manips and SIPs, at The Decent Doctor, and at Think Like a Fellow. Thanks for tuning in, and cheers, everyone.